Hey, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, my name is Keon. I get to lead Wellington Heights Community Church with my lovely wife, Stephanie, and a great leadership team. Uh, right now, we are continuing our Lenten series, Discovering Wholeness. And so far, we've touched on prayer, we touched on resting, and, and a different kind of fast. And all of those practices kind of focuses on our own spiritual development, our, our relationship with God, and in some instances, our relationships with others. But this next practice that I'm going to be touching on uh, really puts the focus on others. And it is almsgiving, or another way of, uh, of saying it is generosity or giving. Now, generosity can be a topic of avoidance for many. Anytime you are uh, talking about giving away uh, your possessions, we can get a little defensive, especially with uh, this American mindset that I've worked hard for what I have. And if you work hard, you can get you can get like me too, right? Which we all know it's not fully true. All over the world, uh, there are societies, there are social norms, there are oppressions, racial and, and economic caste systems that play a part uh, in, in people's quality of life. But something that those things don't have power over is our ability to be generous. But what are we to be generous with? In most Christian circles, we, we are going to narrow it down to these three things. We are to be generous with our time. We are to be generous with our treasures. And we are to be generous with our talent. And these three things do sum, sum it up. Practically speaking, these are the things that are in our possession that we can give away. But I wanted to take it a step further. As I read scripture, it is clear that we are to be generous to our neighbors, but we are to be generous with the things we hold most tightly to. Or in other words, what are you hoarding? In scripture, we see that God asked the Israelites to give of their first fruits, the best of their labor. So, so he's asking for the best lamb. He's asking for the healthiest wheat. He's asking for the most thriving doves, right? With this expectation to give your first fruit, to, to give the best of your labor, there leaves little room for us storing up love for stuff over love for God. An example in the New Testament of, of someone having a tight grip on prized possessions is the rich young ruler. Here we have a rich young ruler. He, he wants eternal life and he asks Jesus, what do I need to, to do to earn eternal life? And Jesus told him, you need to sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Then you need to follow me. The rich young ruler walked away sadly because he had so many possessions that he cared about. He had a tight grip on his money, his possessions, and his lifestyle. Some of us might relate to this ruler. This this ruler uh, was outwardly doing what was right. He even told Jesus that he was following the Ten Commandments. He boasted and he was, he was saying, hey, I'm not stealing. I'm not killing. I'm not, I'm not cheating on my wife. Uh, I'm not lying. And Jesus even responded, affirming him. But he said, Jesus said, hey, there's something else that, that, that has a tight grip on your heart. That's namely your possessions and, and your comfort, uh, the comforts in your life. And Jesus knew that he wasn't willing to actually give those things up and follow him. How many of us are in the position of this rich young ruler? 
where we're not really willing to give up the comforts of our lifestyle. And I'll go as far as to say that we are in danger of fusing uh, our comfortable lifestyles with true Christianity. Now contrast this ruler with, with Mary Magdalene, who, who breaks open a, perf- uh, a, a expensive jar of perfume and anoints Jesus. And everyone gets mad at her. But she, without haste, is generous to her Lord and Savior, and she follows him to the end. We, we should search our hearts and ask ourselves, what are we hoarding? What, what, what is worth most to us? And if I believe if we, if we were to actually ask ourselves those questions, we were to know that giving extends far beyond money. For some, money is our security, right? The more zeros that we have in our bank accounts, the better we feel about ourselves. In fact, you might even find that your mood can be dictated based on your bank account. For others, whether they're rich or they're poor, giving money has, uh, doesn't have such a tight grip on their hearts. Like the woman uh, in the Bible who gave away her last coin or, or the rich and wealthy Abraham who gave a tenth of his possessions to Melchizedek. For them, money wasn't something that had a tight grip on their lives or on their hearts. But maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your knowledge. What I I mean by this is uh, many of us have talents and gifts and gifts of knowledge that we gain through our lives. And maybe those talents and gifts are uh, financial fluency or maybe you have a skill or trade like knitting or woodworking or sport. And we've I kept those things to ourselves. So my question is, have you passed on those skills? Will you pass on those skills before you pass away? I believe those skills aren't just for you to keep. Whatever you hold tightly to, consider giving. Not only to the people in your circle of influence, but to people in places where you're not familiar with. We are all holding on to something tightly. And it's important to ask the Spirit of God what those things are. Maybe it's our time, maybe it's our treasures, or maybe it's none of those. Maybe it's having control of what we give our time and our talent and our treasures to, right? It's the idea that if I'm going to invest my money, if I'm going to invest my time and my talent to something, I better see results. It better be worth my time. Of course, we should be wise and steward our things well, right? But but the core of what I'm trying to get at is that peace in us that wants to control the things we give away. We want to know that my time and my resources were not wasted. We want the people we give our things to to be worthy of our gifts. And I'd even go as far as to say that we want to be rewarded for the gifts that we give. Now, it is natural for us to want to see results. It's, it's kind of the way that things work in life, right? Uh, especially in our careers and our jobs, right? You put in the work, you get the results. If you, if you plant the seed, most likely you're going to reap the harvest. But almsgiving isn't rooted in results. Almsgiving or generosity must be rooted in unconditional blessing. 
Yes, we can hope that our gifts will be received and used with honor and trembling. We can hope, but we don't give with condition. We ultimately give because our Father in heaven gives to us unconditionally. And we must reflect his generosity. God's giving is not conditional. He brings rain on the righteous and the wicked. All that we have is his in the first place. Again, when you give, when you give something to someone, you're releasing control. Now, it's okay to, uh, before you give something, to, to seek out as much information as you can about the personal organization. You know, find out their financial background, their commitment, their abilities, their dreams, their visions, and their, their, their capability. But ultimately, we give our gifts with faith and love. And many times, we are giving uh, uh, as, and, and starting and planting a seed for those um, dreams and those visions to come alive for those people and those organizations. Generosity is a complicated topic. We know that there are hurting people all around us, including us. And we actually do want to, to change things. We actually do want to uh, uh, do good. However, our convenience is always at risk. We are constantly tempted to do the thing that has the least amount of impact on our convenience while wanting the greatest return. In our weekly Lenten study on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., quick plug, it's not too late to join, we are focusing on listening. And as we look at generosity in deeper ways, we have to consider what does it mean to be generous with our presence? Could we be generous with our listening? For example, uh, many of us have been talking to someone who, who is obviously not listening to us and looking for the next person in the room to talk to. Or have you ever changed the subject because you weren't really wanting to know how the person was doing? Or how about uh, in times of discussion, deep discussion about race or politics, uh, do we uh, uh, just shut the, the, the conversation down because uh, either we're disagreeing with the person or the person shuts the conversation down because they disagree with us? I saw a quote that said, instead of being taught not to talk about topics of religion and politics and sexual orientation and race, we should have been taught how to respectfully have conversations about those topics of disagreement and how to work and love and live among people who are different than us. See, many of us are taught what to believe about a certain topic without being taught how to live in peace with people who think differently than us and how to listen and be present with them. Do you remember how you felt when someone listened to you. I mean, someone actually listened to you, no matter how crazy or reckless you sound. There is something humanizing about someone being fully present with you. Perhaps this Lenten season, uh, you can reach out to someone. You can offer them the gift of your ear. When I was leading at a, a church in the past, I, I had the opportunity to develop mutual relationships with some of the homeless people in Cedar Rapids. And part of uh, this relationship, I began to ask questions. Questions like, what would you like for people to know about uh, people who are homeless? And I remember this woman saying, I would love for people 
to not look at me like I'm a disease. I would love for people to, to want to hear my story. I would love for people to want to walk with me relationally through this homelessness and not just give me money. See, the way Jesus models almsgiving is relational, not transactional. Biblically speaking, generosity is a posture of openness to bless our neighbors with our personal presence, our love, and in some cases, our resources. The relational piece of generosity in our society is usually detached. And this is because, especially in America, we know that cutting a check is a lot easier than having to have our lives intertwined with those in material need or in need in general even if those people are in our families or they're our friends. Generosity is very important in the Christian life. In fact, because of generosity, our fasting and our prayer has relational impact, turning us outward so that we're not to overlook the Christ in others. When generosity, when, when prayer and fasting are practiced together in a spirit-led way, we become like a well-watered garden, bearing fruit for others. When we are close to God, we begin to see like God. We begin to listen like God. We begin to act more like God. We begin to see the poor and the marginalized, not as lazy people or uneducated or unreconcilable or condemned, but we begin to see them as made in the image of God with stories we begin to give 100% and expect zero in return. We begin to work to make all people's lives flourish. Lots of times when we look at people, we disconnect the spiritual state from the rest of them. For instance, we often bypass people's physical poverty and focus only on their spiritual poverty. And we'll use verses like when Jesus says, the flesh counts for nothing and the spirit counts for everything. By saying this, Jesus isn't bypassing the importance of the physical state, which is why he says things like uh, the most important things to love God uh, and love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. See, this is a holistic command. I want us to get this. Generosity is about treating your neighbor as you would want to be treated. It is vital that we understand this because this is so powerful. This command, it, 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 it demands us to be introspective. It, it demands that we ask ourselves hard questions about how we would want to be treated, right? Questions like, would you want to be scared? Would you want to be homeless? Would you want to be violated or cheated on? Would you want to be cold or be lacking funds or lacking accessibility to good education? Would you want to be abused uh, or physically or sexually or spiritually, unloved, discriminated against? Would you want to be not listened to or, or, or told, hey, get over whatever you're getting, uh, you, whatever you're grieving because God is sovereign? Would you want to be treated poorly because of your gender, your race, or your sexual orientation? Would you want to be treated poorly because of the mistakes that you made in the past or that you've, uh, you, you believe differently than others? See, this command, uh, it, it, it commands that we ask these questions. 
And it has more to do with our physical state than our spiritual state. And of course, loving our neighbors as ourselves includes wanting the best for your neighbor's eternal state. But that is not at the expense of overlooking their physical state and their physical needs, right? In John, First John chapter 3, verse 17, he says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how could the love of God be in this person? And here's the reality. Whatever we do for the least of these, we are doing for God. Matthew makes this clear in his gospel in, uh, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Jesus says, truly, I say to you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers or sisters, you did for me. What if we had this verse in our minds at all times? What if we let this reality drive our generosity? What types of people would we be? What type of justice would we see? What types of restoration and repairs and reconciliation would we witness? It really gives us a picture that we are all in need of each other. The truth is, we all have harassing issues that are blocking us from hearing truth. Jesus knew that by healing people and feeding people, it would allow them uh, to, to be freed up to listen to what he was saying. Have you ever uh, been so hungry and somebody was talking to you about something important, but you couldn't even listen to them because all you could think of is what you were going to have for lunch? Or imagine being in an abusive home and a person comes knocking on your door and says, you know, they want to tell you about Jesus and they, they, uh, the love of Jesus and they want to pray and you accept Jesus. and This is great but you still have to go back into this abusive home. Sure, I get to go to heaven, but while I'm on earth, I have to be in an abusive environment. These are harassing issues, and many of us are facing them. And let me be clear, it is up to us to help clear those harassing issues by using our generosity. See, Jesus' gospel addresses the whole person and all of these issues. This is the generosity that Jesus gives us. A life of generosity doesn't require just isolated instances of sacrifice, but it requires us to be uh, in a constant state of sacrificing. Sacrificial living with, with no expectation of anything in return. So how are you living sacrificially? If you're looking for ways to be sacrificial, I would, I, I would, I would say uh, think about the things that make you uncomfortable. Instead of avoiding those things, lean into those things and ask God, what would you say? What would you say to me about these things that make me uncomfortable? There's a joke about giving and that some people are holding on to their money so tightly that Benjamin Franklin's eyes are bulging out of the bill because of your tight grip. What are you holding tightly to? Is it your money? Is it your time? Is it your security? Some of us are so scared of death uh, and so holding so tightly to our safety that we don't take risk in faith. There's a study that shows that different regions in America values uh, different, different things based on uh, the, the region and where it's at in the States. For instance, in the West, uh, they value health and innovation. In the South, it's 
hospitality. And in the Midwest where I live, it's safety and security. We are scared to death of dying. We want our stuff and our families to be safe. And there's nothing wrong with that in principle. But Jesus does say things like, turn the other cheek. Go out and make disciples. Take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say take up your weapons and, and defend. He says take up your cross, die like I did. Follow me. It was a command of sacrificial living. Now, again, uh, with wisdom, right? Like it, there's nothing wrong with, with protection. But our command was to die to ourselves. To find our life is to lose it. To lose your life is to find it. And we find our lives only because Jesus gave up his. Yes, we have a creator that gave us the most precious, important thing. That is himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever trusts and believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We have a God that loves us. Loves us so much that he literally gave us everything that he has. And through his generosity, we have become rich. Now is the time more than ever to receive God's generosity. That is the, the gift of Jesus. Jesus came to give us new life. He came to eliminate our sins. He, he wants to walk with you and he wants to give you abundant life in him. And if you haven't ever taken steps and walking and uh, step with him, uh, we want to help you in that journey. Please contact us on Facebook if you want to talk and pray through what it looks like to receive the generosity of God. And as we look forward, I want to encourage all of us to pray through what God would have you focus on uh, when it comes to generosity, this, this Lenten series. I pray these two things, that, that our generosity would continue to grow and reflect his sacrificial uh, generosity. But, but also, I pray that, that his generosity would become a part of our DNA in our everyday lives. Hey, before I close, it would be a miss in a sermon about generosity to not express my gratitude for all of you who have supported the Wellington Heights Community Church ministry in the past year. I am speechless and amazed at your generosity and, and just, I, I thank you. And I also want to thank um, St. Mark's Lutheran, our, our, our partner uh, church, for taking up a 40-day Lenten offering uh, for our ministry uh, at Wellington Heights Community Church, but also to put toward the purchase of a building. Thank you all for your obedience and, and trust in what God is doing in Wellington Heights Community Church. Thank you so much. Would you pray with me? God, you are a loving and generous God, and we ask that you would give us the ability to reflect your generosity. God, we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. Please help us to be uh, introspective, that, that we would see that our neighbor are your children, God. And we thank you so much that we can, we can walk in line and step with you, uh, with your power to love our neighbor uh, uh, as we love ourselves. God, as we uh, walk through this Lenten uh, season and even beyond, God, please allow our, our generosity um, 
to just continue to grow and, and being in step with you. And we thank you again that we get to join you in reconciling and restoring all things. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you did. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you go in peace.